This podcast is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky stuff. You know, any film that we talk about here, we recommend you see in advance. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hello everyone and welcome to another brand new episode of Oh the Horror. It's a horror movie podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the newcomer Steve Allman. And I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And today we are looking at the year 2000's uh, classic teen romp, Final Destination, directed by James Wong. Teen romp indeed. Um, the Final Destination, this is... Uh... What a notorious This is a crazy series. movie. This is, I mean, it's, it's, so this is almost the movie that should never have happened when you think about everything that went into it, right? So, um, if you don't know who James Wong and Glenn Morgan are, they wrote the screenplay for this, they worked on the X-Files, right? Um, and the concept for Final Destination, originally entitled Flight 180, was this was going to be an episode of the X-Files. And it could have just been that. And, we, you know, we may never have... Th- that's so fascinating because as I was watching this, I was like, this this movie feels like an episode of a TV show. This feels like just, like, not cheesy, but, like, just simple enough and just kind of... Not boilerplate, but it's it has these kind of, like, simplistic things that are very... Like, everybody leans into something. And it reminds me quite a bit of The X-Files where there's these over-the-top characters while there's still this... Not, like, it's so many things that it, it this is this movie shouldn't have happened i will agree with you this movie shouldn't have happened uh in, in not in the bad sense but like more of a how sense it, it's a very it's a very great thing that this came together how it did um because there's a lot of very strange things about this film that don't that don't hold over to the rest of the series because the rest of the series kind of went a very campy route the further it went and uh just kind of getting a more absurd and ridiculous and how can they out top the last movie over the last you know which which sounds before. so quaint because to me this movie seems completely over the top in just the right amount of ways and just a few ways that are just like okay what <laughs> kind of ways but it, again it's the way that the movie kind of leans into itself in just the right amounts of ways and i think that's more or less reflected in the quote-unquote kills i guess you could say yeah because the rest uh, now, of it now before no go ahead because the rest of it it takes itself rather seriously as a sort of mystery in a weird way but it's not that good of a mystery because we don't really have any clues or things to kind of lead us along it's just more of people figuring things out as they happen and they're like oh this happened maybe this that means this okay i guess it doesn't mean this it's not exactly a scientific method to this movie it's just more of like okay, well, we're told something, and then we have to figure that out, and then a bad thing happens, and then we have to, we're told another thing. It, I mean, it was basically following, so what this what this was doing, it was, it was following the 90s slasher resurgence, the meta slasher, uh, I guess, 
not res it was the slasher resurgence, but it was the beginning of like the meta slashers, you know, with Scream, um, and then stuff like I Know What You Did Last Summer, going into that type of stuff, right? So we we've had those films, they've had their sequels. Uh, it was about going into something new, and it was like, well, we always have a killer, a physical killer. What if it was death who was actually killing people, and it was death making all of this happen? Now, what's weird about this film is that was the original concept, and in in uh, in the first death of the film, in Todd's death, the strangulation scene that happens... The idea behind this is that death was going to be something that would go through the whole movie and be a presence. We might have actually seen a physical representation of death by the end of it, which we are—we do get an allusion to a, a death-like figure in it with Tony Todd and his Bloodworth character uh, as the um, mortician. Uh, but it, there's... This film seemed to evolve in its in its process because this was the f directorial debut of James Wong. This was his first film. Um, I mean, I can't say he did like a bad job directing this movie. It's a, I, I like it's again like as much as I think this movie's fucking weird and dumb and absurd in the right ways but like i never really laughed at it it's just more of like wow like you're oh, you guys dude, are there, really there going are moments who yeah yeah no there there are some there's some amazing gallows humor moments uh i saw this in theaters so there was there was just some stuff that blew my mind um before we dig too deep in the film let's just let's just get some of the credits of these people out of the way because i think it just needs to be known um, the writer, the co-writer of this film and uh, one of the producers, he directed the movie Willard, you know, the Crispin Glover uh, remake of the of the original film Willard about the guy who befriends rats. Fine. It was fine. He's also the director of one of the movies I hate more than any other remake ever, and it's the remake of Black Christmas from 2006. And we've mentioned that um, even as far back as our first episode. Yeah, so you know, I'm gonna leave that there. We're not gonna talk about Glenn Morgan anymore. I think I've I've expressed my feelings about that enough. Um, but then we move over to James Wong. James Wong, he directs Final Destination. Then he directs The One. Do you remember that movie with Jason Statham I and Jet Li? I very much remember that movie. <laughs> so he directs that. Then he directs Final Destination Three, which. All right, and then I realized he's not really that great of a director because th three, three's, three's, mm, there are moments about three that are cool. Like Mary Elizabeth Winstead is great as as the lead in that, and and there's there are some there, there's some fun stuff in it. I think it's a little too cheesy for me. Um, but then he directed, uh, I guess what what ooh, he directed Dragon Ball Evolution. So let's. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's less said about that the better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was his last that was his last movie. His most recent one at the very least. God forbid he does another Dragon Ball movie. Maybe they let him do it. Well, well that was we'll a that was a decade ago, so I don't I don't think that's happening. So uh he's gone to T V more than that. But that's let's just say these are the creators of the Final Destination series. Cool. It, it's you know, it's had an interesting run, but let's now delve delve into this uh Devin Sawa Ali Larder classic. Well, it's again, it's very very 
it's so very much the 2000s. <laughs> I I can't I can't not feel how 2000s this movie is. Dude, look at the cast, man. The cast, it's like you have Sean William Scott, uh Kerr Smith, he was on Dawson's Creek, so you automatically are pulling in I guess the WB at the time, right? So you're pulling in your teen audience there. Devin Sawa was hot on the, you know, the teens with the teens and stuff. And then like Ali Larder, she had been doing uh Oh, what was the one um varsity blues right like i think that was the first time i saw her in something and so she had just been had done that you had chad Danella. he had been um in a couple of films around that time uh, and then tony todd which tony todd's awesome and you have candy you know because i see him in the trailer and i'm like that's candy man i have to see this movie uh um, Th- this movie is like yeah. kind of, you got a stacked teen cast and really, like, it, it kind of shows because it's a lot of fun, just like campy teen dialogue for a lot of as to for a lot of the reasons and situations that this movie throws at these characters. It very much hits the early 2000s uh, teen cliche beats pretty much on the head. Uh, and, and I kind of like it because it's very, it's nostalgic for me in a weird way. Like I miss these types of movies because you don't see them anymore. Like again, it was a different time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was kind of where the, it almost the last hurrah of it really. Cause so one thing I, I will say is really weird. I'm looking at this cast and Brendan Fair is in this film. He was on Roswell. Remember? Yeah. And, and he was I, I thought he, I don't know if he was a big deal, but it seemed like he was on that show, right? So he's in this film for like five minutes. He He's on the flight. Like, he's the brother of Chad Donella's character, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Todd. And he blows up in the plane in the beginning of the film. And I'm like, wait, what? No, he has to be in this movie more. Like, why would you do this? And they did that to him again in that really terrible Silent Night remake, too. He's in it, and you're like, wait, that's him? And then all of a sudden, he's gone. You're like, man, I hope they paid you well for your half-day shoot. <laughs> it's a it's a really weird set of circumstances that a lot of those a lot of those uh, like weird cameos and brief moments kind of come along to. I'm still shocked at what this movie like logistically gets away with. And it pretty much starts immediately from that plane crash. Uh, because I actually kind of get like this, a bit of a twilight zoney vibe, uh, right from away the, man. from this and scenario. That's where like he's visited by this, like, you know, cultist who's like, death is not the end. And then he has this vision. It's, it's twilight zone is a twi- twilight zone with a twist, man. It's like twilight zone, the movie, but with like this massive, massive twist. It, it's a, it's a very over the top type of version of that premise because it gets more and more and more ridiculous. Whereas twilight zone, as if I could kind of say it feels more grounded <laughs> in reality, I guess like it, it's a bit more of a tangible type of experience rather where, whereas this is like, okay, death is like this. Is it the water? Is it the ooze? Is it a thing that like, just kind so, of comes so that's, for that's you? it's, it's personified right, in a very odd, odd way that I in its first in it, it that was its first representation where I found in in this film in particular and this is actually the argument when I talk to people about this film they will always say yeah but it seemed so weird I really hate you know the the bathroom scene odd 
in that first thing because you have the water actively moving and then retreating. You have a shadow of what seems like the shadowy figure of death. And that's what I was saying earlier is they put this in. And then I guess as they're they're doing it, scrapped it, but it was already filmed. So they're like, all right, we're putting it in as this ominous thing. But then you never see it again for the movie because as you're watching it, you're thinking, okay, is Bloodworth, is Tony Todd's character actually death because of how he sounds he's so ominous he's so creepy and he's so he seems to know so much about all of them and it seemed like all right i'm this physical representation of it but it also it's a very strange it it just seems like like this movie here's the thing i feel like this movie is like too solid info dump or uh, like rock solid scenes away from actually having the audience understand what is actually going on rather than a bunch of conjecture and half-baked theories by the characters who are also trying to figure it out. The audience is even a step behind the actual characters. In but, the but I think that's what makes and this movie fun and, and tension filled because when I saw this in theaters and I had seen a lot of horror movies at this point, I remember it was a bunch of us. Oh man, no, we all went, we, a bunch of us went to go see this film, freaked the hell out of almost every single one of us, especially the uh, scene where Terry is getting pissed off at everyone, and especially her boyfriend, Carter, and is like, you know, we almost died out there, I can't believe all this, she's like, if you guys can't get along, you can just drop fucking dead, boom, smashed by a bus, like, Really loved that. Um, loved that moment. Immediately. And that was the moment. I remember in theaters, I started laughing. Um, I, and a couple I of people, legitimately a couple of had bust out laughing too. But some yeah, did not. Yeah, because it was, it's, a, it's, it's <laughs> such a fun moment. It's such a, yeah. uh, it, it's Ooh. such a great, like one, t- again, such like a, a bit of a one-two punch, like yeah. a, to punctuate that moment with just boom okay great well, something's it's, happening it's that now. big it's that big moment where it's almost like and i know what you did last summer where jennifer love hewitt is saying you know if they're gonna come get us what are you waiting for and she just stands there and just says that and it's almost like you have uh amanda detmer's character standing and then moving backwards kind of in that same i'm gonna say my speech you know and have this big moment. Yeah, like taunting God and, or whatever. Uh, yeah, it, it's a. It, it's I, just so good. So here's the thing. I I, I do I I feel what you what you're saying when this is a kind of last hurrah for the meta late '90s, early 2000s horror films where they get this. They try to flirt the line between being meta, campy, self-aware, as well as over the top and ridiculous but i feel like at least in the sense of final destination like you could have actually had this kind of cosmic mystery really kind of play out in a more effective way if they hadn't tried to be so meta or cheeky or self-aware with it because a lot of the things while over the top like i'm actually kind of intrigued as to why like because i i one of my favorite movies that kind of deals with the idea of fate and death is uh is the is the time machine starring guy pierce where uh, his his character goes back in time. He, he invents a time machine basically to save his wife from dying. I, I, yeah, yeah, but I, every time yeah. he goes back in time, his wife keeps dying just in different ways. And it's to say that, like, death will always find a way. Death will always come for her because she is meant to die. I mean, that's a, yeah, it's the same thing. You can't break It's the basic design, idea of this. You know? 
but when you basically make fate or if you make death the killer, if you make death the sort the you know the Jason Voorhees, the Michael Myers, the whoever, and it, you make it this invisible force, it's kind of got to come together in a weird way other than just this like vague structure that people are talking about. Right. I don't know. I, I get it, what you're, I it, get it was what you're so saying. close to landing for me. Look, I get what you're saying, but um so so I I've seen this movie a lot. I I have it on DVD. There are uh extra scenes in this movie uh that kind of flesh out what was originally intended. And it was to show that you could actually break the cycle of death by creating another another life, right? Um in some of the alternate scenes, Clear and Alex uh, end up hooking up on, like, the beach, right? Then later, there's another scene where she has a pregnancy test, and she finds out that she is pregnant with Alex's kid. And then there's um, a bunch of alternate endings, and in one of them, he's trying to save them, and he sacrifices himself, and he, he gets electrocuted. That's at the moment where she's in the backyard you know, at his place, and, and everything's going crazy, he he dies. And the movie, you think, ends. You're just like, what the hell? It cuts to her, she's just had a child, um, and then Carter, Kerr Smith's character, actually survives this film. And basically, now Clear has the ability to see death before it happens. Um, and that, that was it. Like, that was the way that the movie, I guess, was originally going to end. And it was kind of just going to be a, a kind of way to wrap it up to show that with all of this, uh, there needed to be a counterbalance. You know, if you were going to escape. Right. With Equivalent this, exchange. Of exactly. And I think that would have been the final one in order to give that over. And I think that was a cool way to go about it. But, you know, New Line. They're going to want a sequel, and I don't think it went well with test audiences, so they're like, what can we do? And then we have the ending in, in I think, yeah, in Paris, right? So, it, and it's a really awesome scene. I love that. I love doing the um, John Denver song throughout. I think it's fantastic. I love that it's a callback. It really, you know, that became an iconic thing in the series uh, for a few of them doing the song, especially in the first two. And I... I think that was really innovative for what they did, but you could tell at that point we were getting a franchise. Yeah, we were clearly building a brand, we're building a thing here, but and that's the and that's such such a tough thing because as high concept as a movie like this is, you really need to have some sort of ironclad mythos or rules or something that you need to bring it back to and a movie like that, if the if the original ending that you spoke of were to happen, I feel like you don't really go anywhere after that. Well, the other ending you don't really is, have I mean, anything. The other ending was Alex gets decapitated by the stray rudder of a downed police helicopter. So you know, it's kind of you have all these weird endings where they were trying to figure out what they could do, and each one still dealt kind of with the whole backyard sequence. You know what I mean? I don't know. It just wasn't. Um, it wasn't big enough. You need you need something that's going to be an ending that's going to get people on their feet, especially after what you've seen. There have been moments in the movie, in this film, I mean, the whole train sequence 
is just the tension is ratcheted up the entire time and it it builds Mm -hmm. and it builds and it builds and what i think is amazing about this is it's not the rube goldberg machine thing how all the other ones all the sequels kind of go that route they really try to go with what can we do with this to make this happen to do this to yeah, do it's this. almost a breakfast machine i recall in a couple of things where it's just like a, a, a domino effect of it one is, thing yeah. hitting another hitting another hitting another and then you're dead and and that's the thing and that's where i think people who who were like ooh i love this rube goldberg thing it's like all right you're you're creating a rube goldberg machine then for all the rest of the movies that's what i'm seeing going into it but i find something about the first two movies especially that there's there's real tension there. You don't know what's going to happen next. And I, I think in the other ones, you can kind of see where it's going to go. I mean, you think it's... I mean, in this, you even think it's going to all be... You know, it's, it's your typical teen movie, right? The only people in this film that can die are the teens. This is not true. Right away, this is taken away with um, uh, Valerie Luton, who's the teacher who has to, you know, stay behind. And yeah, and it's oh man, honestly, I think her death might be my favorite because it's the perfect so balance good. of Comedy over of the errors, top man. mixed with oh man, it's so so good. And it's not that I even laughed, but I, I laughed in the beginning, and then I was like, oh, this is great because it's like it's water to explodable computer, <laughs> not even like not not even like st- causes fire, explodes shrapnel in the neck. D- d- wobbling to the kitchen like that starts on fire uh <laughs> like she just like falls pulls the knife like the the knife set down into her chest was it water or was <laughs> it alcohol so or did she have vodka in it i thought she was it was vodka and yeah. then the, and the vodka set on fire and led into the kitchen right right but that's you know uh, with those crt monitors and stuff you know people say they can explode i know that they went larger with it because that's that's the concept of this is if it can be sure, it sure, can be sure. over the top it will be over the top anything that can go wrong will go wrong exactly in glorious fashion exactly yeah uh, so and then it's just the perfect like he tries to save her and like he tries to pull the thing out of out of her chest and then the chair just falls and just slams it down and further and just into her makes chest. it worse. Like oh, uh, and, and I love that so because perfect. then it makes him look like he's this murderer. And here's the thing: this is right after he did Idle Hands, right? And it's that's another crazy, wacky horror. That's more of a zany horror comedy, which is just a whole lot of fun. And this kind of had that little moment, I felt, of Idle Hands a little bit, but it was more in that moment, especially, of how strange the death was happening and how it was filmed. And it it just, it was just really fun, you know? It's a fun moment in in this film. And I think this movie in general, out of of the Final Destination films, it's, it's just the most fun I have out of all of them. I know the second one has great deaths. The second one has amazing kills, an amazing mix of practical and digital effects, a perfect blend. But that being said, the first one, it's just, they try to build a mystery. They try to have little hints where he can see um, death before. He's the one who sees the deaths before it happens, but he sees these little hints here and there, like the paper getting cut up in the fan and floating around everywhere and like pulling in these little hints. And those were the most creative ones in the first. Oh, completely. Film. I, so, and, and that's what I, I think that was kind of my main frustration taking away from this because it didn't seem like I, this movie knew what it wanted to be. It, it, it tried to skirt the line between that meta, like cheeky 
like almost campy type of horror film while still presenting like a genuine mystery or intrigue when it like it sometimes couldn't really effectively do both. Like there's quite a few instances where I was like, wow, you kind of got something here. Like with the mortician uh, in the in the morgue and like he's kind of explaining like you, you're upsetting the structure and all that stuff you don't want to fuck with that daddy-o or whatever like it, that like that's a cool little like that's a very tv moment as well i like, was like this is oh the second you said x-files i'm like that's a guy from the x-files that is like crazy but is it, like convinced about what he's doing I, it's a very it's so yeah. close. But see, see, this is where... So this was like the... Be- I think it works perfectly because we had not seen this before. At least I had not seen this type exactly come together. So we don't know if Alex is going to make it through the whole movie. We don't know if that will happen. It is... There's this tension, even in the trailer where he's rolling and rolling down the hill and he stops almost because he is going to impale his face into a stick that's out of the ground. Like, this is stuff they they were digging all over. They have big deaths. They have ones that take for, you know, that are long and take forever to happen. They have these really small, quick moments where it's just instantaneous and that's what makes this the tension is there because if you've never seen this if you don't know what final destination is um and that's what happened i mean when i saw this in theaters didn't even know what to expect and it just it was a blast like you see you know that that whole train moment you're like there's no way they're gonna get out in time then you're like oh they get out boom sean william scott not even a normal decapitation like we're hitting you at the chin ripping up through the jaw and oh just brutal and then just falls out of frame that you don't really get that moment is just great because it it felt very it felt very 80s in the way that it was done it had this cool feel to it you see him fall in the background kind of out of you know and it's just I feel like in a lot of the other films, they showcase it too much to be like, check out this death, clear as day. And this had more of a, uh, there were moments where it's like, this is absolutely horrifying, but there's moments where it's like, holy crap, I don't know what's going to happen next. Any of these people could go at any moment. Um, and there's that tension because you have Devin Sawa. They think he is guilty of doing this. The cops are after him. He's on the run. So there's not a lot of time to stop and in the other films, they can say, okay, death's coming after us, but let's kind of make a plan and figure something out. And then most people and that's go, kind of I why don't believe I, that's you. What I re- actually really, that's what I really actually liked about the back and forth between Devin Sawa and his plight, because he seems to be the victim of knowing what might happen and not being able to do anything about it, and only being able to watch in horror as all of these things keep happening to them. And that's where like the mystery could have unfolded in quite a, a a better way to me, at least because I keep wanting to see him figure this out, see him really crack this open, and it it's never exactly the way he wants it to go. He just kind of, I feel like he lucked out. Like, the movie lucks out in, well, at the end. Yeah, but he's so over the top in this movie, it's amazing. And that's what, he. there's a sense of urgency with him the entire time. In this movie, I believe that Devin Sawa is in this situation, and he believes that all of this stuff is going to happen to him. Every other main character in, in a Final Destination movie Every single one of them. I do not believe that they think they are in mortal danger. I believe they are acting as actors like they are told in a script to be in mortal danger. I believe that 
that Devin Sala's performance in this is just I, – I mean, it sucks that the guy is not getting as much work as he should be getting. I, I will say this. He is very good at acting very disheveled and forlorn, knowing that everybody he knows is about to die. And Dude, can't SLC do about Punk, it. too, man. And, I mean, he's, he's, like, he's yeah. good. That type of character is just – it's really – it's awesome, and that's what pisses me off about the sequel is they write him off with, like, a brick hit him in the face, and you find that happen in a paper. Like, you read it in a newspaper article, and you're like, that's some bullshit. Like, that pissed me off. I like the movie for a lot of other reasons, but I don't like it for that. I wanted him in the sequel. He should have been in the sequel. Even if you kill his character off, at least you have him there. But, yeah, this dude, this movie, it's, it's just a good time. Like it's it's fun. I, I will it spawned, say I, I had a. It spawned way too many sequels. <laughs> for sure, it absolutely did. I, I haven't seen any of them, and I already know that that, that it did. Ooh. You haven't seen any of the Final Destination sequels. I mean, no, I've only seen like the the absurd trailers. That's all that I'll. I am the newbie here. Of, uh, as oh man. Okay. Whoa. Here. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, I mean, all right. You need to at least see Final Destination two. That's the one with the highway accident. Now, I will say that opening scene, uh, so, so the Final Destination movies after the first one decided to make the opening scene like the biggest thing it could ever be. They really take... Just big set piece. It's a like, giant I mean, well, set you piece. You will say that like, the plane crash is in this one is like insane. It's yeah, but it's really short, cool it, but it's short, sweet, and to the point. It's only, it's only a few minutes long. Um, the, the car scene in the second one, the highway scene, is amazing. It's very well done. You can watch the behind the scenes on the DVD for that to show how they took all the practical stuff and then just did like digital overlays of stuff. It's really well done. Um, lots of squibs, lots of crazy uh, effects. Uh, and then the third one was just, it's the roller coaster one. It starts getting really just super goofy. That's where it feels like this should just be an epic that's when the final destination films felt like they should have just been like netflix films and just you pump them out every few months you know what i mean and then the fourth one was just pure garbage that takes place in an indie like a nascar type situation like a racetrack uh and it's just it's it's really bad cg it's super short it is terrible 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 and then you get the fifth one which uh it ties things together really well to finish out, I guess, the the franchise as we know it. I think that was like 2011 or something. But um, we are getting, I don't know if it's going to be a reboot or if it's going to be like how they're doing with, man, they're pr pretty much taking the original of any film and saying, hey, we're going to ignore all the sequels and just go with a sequel now. I mean, maybe 20 years later, they're going to say, we're doing a direct follow-up. Devin Sawa's character is still alive, and he's been running away from death for the past 20 years. If anyone is That's hearing great. that in you the studios Halloween right it. now, You'll take that. Take that and write that script, because as I'm saying it, I'm like, I would see that. That'd be great. You just Halloween it like this. New yeah, reboot. you know that's like, what I mean. You, just, that's, you that's only the take into account the first right one. That's what I'm saying. That's that's yeah. the big thing right now is is like taking that. A couple of other films are doing that too, where they're saying, "Oh, we're ignoring everything else, and we're just, just pretending this is a direct." Actually, you know what? Uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D did that a couple of years ago, like 2012 or something. They were said, "Hey, this is a direct follow up to the original movie. Everything else should be ignored." 
Um, Interesting. Yeah. And, that, and that's, you know what? I'm kind of into that. Though. Even if it doesn't seem to work out, it's a very, like, you want to, like, have a jump off point in a franchise that you're not bogged down too much by your own mythology. And I, yeah, I, I really mean, like the idea of picking up in the simplest of terms where you left off. Alternate timeline, man. You can do it. Actually, technically, um, Superman Returns did that as well. Uh, Brian Singer's yeah, and that one. didn't work out. Let's, let's no, no. But let's as, we're say, as we're saying, like this is something that I guess it's not the newest concept in the, uh, ever, but I no, think for no, horror, it's kind of a newer concept um, to see it happen. It's interesting. I would like to see it done well. If they, I think, if you're doing Final Destination, I think it needs to go on a more serious note and go darker. Make it bring back the tension, ratchet it up. It got really goofy by the end. I think they need I to I can cut imagine that. and that's the thing with a premise such as that it has to be one or the other because it's very hard to skirt tail that line and with a premise like this y- you got to pick one you got to either pick completely ridiculous and campy or or right. completely serious. Well, and that's where like 5 tried to change it up slightly where they brought in they brought in like people turning on each other in more of this, well, you know, I could kill you instead or in this, you know, so people are turning on each other, which in a lot of them they they never do that. They all just kind of band together. In the first one they kind of were going to turn on each other, but they're teenagers. Like how far are they really going to go, you know? Um at least those type of teenagers were, you know. Um but in in this, it was it was interesting to see where people were willing to go, but then you know that's towards the end of the film, so y- then the series ended, and we haven't seen another one for eight years. I'm I'm excited for it. I know that there's probably going to be a lot of people who hate remakes and hate reboots and come up with something original, and it's like, all right, but studios don't really want to make that stuff, so. Do do the best with what you can sometimes, and I know people. You know, everybody wants to complain about something. Um, I can't really complain about this, man. Any any Final Destination film, I'll give it a shot, whether I like it or not. Um, is, right, and is I, to, I, th- you know, I think that again, it's it's such a fun idea. I just I know that an idea like this can be spread way too thin if you don't pick a lane to stay in, and. I can already tell that this movie, this franchise could easily go off the rails based on what it gives you uh, in this first movie. While it's still fun, uh, it really is, it's standing on very shaky ground for anything to come after it. The second one, I think, ties together decently well um, because they really do try to make the first two tie together. They really do. The third one, then they try to make tie in with everything. And then it's like, this is absurd. You guys are just stop. And then they are just like, no, we don't care. And, um, but watch, definitely watch the second one. I, I think you need to do that. And I would say that to anybody out there who hasn't seen it. You know what? No, 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 no. Watch all five. Watch all five. <laughs> um, and you know what? If you, if you struggle, if you struggle with the fourth one, if you struggle with the fourth one and you're like, this is garbage and I can't, then turn it off and just turn the fifth one on. And if you're like, I don't know, just, just watch it to the end. Just get all the way to the end and y- you might still not like it, but I think you will. <laughs> I think you will. I, th- I think I th- that's very interesting because I think this is the first time that you, even knowing that a movie's not that great, you're just telling the audience to eat their vegetables and give it a shot. <laughs> There's like the fifth one. So if you've, the thing is, when you're watching a series and you've gone and watched them get progressively worse over time. And then there's a fifth one and it ends. You're expecting that fifth one to be the bottom of the barrel. You're like, this has to be the worst one out of all of them. It is not. It is, I would say, the best. It's like 
one, two, and and five. And then I would say three and then four. If we're gonna go if we're gonna go for like if we're gonna go for deaths and stuff, I would say two, one, five, three, four still. Like, I mean it's yeah. But but I would go two first instead of one on that because the deaths in two are just amazing. I'm not gonna spoil those, so you need to see it because it's it's totally worth your time and watch it on get the DVD of it. Like go out and rent it or buy it. Watch the behind the scenes or the Blu-ray or whatever you're gonna get. I I guess I'm old school. Um, but at the same time, you know you can find this stuff online. Go to YouTube, find these behind the scenes things on how they did the effects. It's a really neat. Um, it's a really neat behind the scenes documentary. It's about 30 minutes or so, maybe longer. Uh, easily worth your time. But yeah, highly, highly recommend this film. You know, it, it's a short film, made a good amount of money, over $100 million worldwide on like a $20 million budget. Very successful for New Line. Excellent. Well, good to know. And that is probably going to be doing it for us uh, this week, Rob. What are we going to be looking at next week? We're going to take a look at a Velvet Buzzsaw. I am so excited. Yeah, I am I, like legitimately really hyped for this movie. You know, you you told me about it, and I was like, oh, another another Netflix movie. Because here's the thing: I I like a lot of these Netflix films, and there's you know, but they're they're not iconic, you know? They're not films that I'm sure. going to be like, oh, Bird this Box is... Bird Box was interesting, to say the least. It was interesting, <laughs> and Apostle is great. Um, it, you know, some of these movies are really good. Um, but Velvet Buzzsaw seems like it's going in a very different route. Uh, so it's from the director of Nightcrawler. Yeah, it's going... Al- it seems like it almost can go full camp if it really wants to. Um, I think Jake Gyllenhaal, this is a role that, like, Jake Gyllenhaal could be born to play, just of of this snobby art director. And the cast is stacked as well. Tony Collette, like, not, like, what more can I say? Well, you could say John Malkovich, Rene Russo, you know. Yeah, and and it's going to be out on Netflix uh, at at the beginning of this month, so you can clearly catch up with us, and you'll have no excuse, because it'll be right on Netflix for you to see. Um, And that'll be a... Really fun time. I really hope so because it's killer paintings, killer paintings. Well, killer art, uh, not just so. killer paintings. It's killer art. It's like that scene in uh, what it Warlock, the Armageddon. You know where the guy gets turned into a piece of art. Maybe they saw that and were like, you know what we could do? We could make an entire movie about that. And Jake Gyllenhaal was like, yeah, I want to star in it. And that's how this movie was born. Well, Rob, thank you so much for that. Why don't you tell everybody where we could be found on the internet? Well, you can uh, check us out at ohthehorrorcast.com and anywhere that you download your podcast. So Overcast, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, etc., etc., etc. But make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can also find us on, you know, all social media stuff. Tell your friends, review our stuff, uh, get us, help us get out there to the masses. Because uh, that would exactly. be fun. That'd be nice. Yeah. We really appreciate you guys listening and sticking along with us. But until next time, I've been Steve Allman. And I've been Rob Holmes. And we'll see you next time, everybody. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Now, it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. And there's no more room in hell. The dead.